This is MuggleCast, your Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts podcast covering everything about J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. Welcome to MuggleCast, episode 306. Happy December, everybody. Micah, Eric, and I are here this week to talk Fantastic Beasts and J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World with you. How are you guys? Good. It's like it's always like coming home, you know, taking off our jacket and cr- cuddling up into bed when we record. Uh, That's I what we know. did when we recorded in person in November last. <laughs> That's month. true. I do miss you guys. Now that we've done that, I don't think we can ever truly comfortably go back to you know separate sides of the continent type recording. <laughs> Let's only do yeah, Mugglecast when we're together now. <laughs> Recording those in person was a lot of fun. It's too bad we can't do that. All t- I was wired on coffee. We were just there was a lot of coffee. I just kept so giving much. you coffee. That was all it was. <laughs> I was very tired from the night before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Today we're going to have a main discussion. Do you guys remember those main discussions? Whoa, it takes me back. Where we focus on a particular subject because we have so much to talk about regarding Fantastic Beasts, and I think that's what we'll be doing in weeks in the weeks ahead. We're going to be talking about the Obscurus. Arguably the, the biggest thing in the introduced to us by J.K. Rowling. The Obscurus, very interestingly, J.K. Rowling's had that word around for a while. Yeah. And we're going yeah. to talk about that. Isn't that yeah. part it's of so this? so sneaky like that. What's great about this, though, is, is the fact that we do have the opportunity now to, to look back on probably close to what, 20 years of content and, and other things that are out there that we probably just glazed over. But yeah, it's clear that J.K. Rowling had ideas that um, we clearly didn't know about, but oh yeah, the clues she, are there. She snuck them in. Yeah, right under our noses. Yeah. The, the whole time, I will, which is true. It was a, <laughs> I was just going to say one of the other good things fashion. about being able to record this way is that uh, our patrons are able to listen to us live. They've missed us. I've, I've seen actual comments that say that they're happy that we are now back doing it this way, as much fun as it was to record in person. Yeah. <laughs> also want to say thank you to everybody who listened to our last episode. That was our spoiler-filled episode, number 305. That was our biggest episode in years. No, yeah. I hadn't even thought about, like, I didn't, I, I, it was very surprising, but in a good way. I think a lot of people may have been searching iTunes, for example, to get, find some Harry Potter podcasts to listen to mm-hmm. after seeing the movie because there was so much to talk about. So thank you to everybody who listened and uh, welcome to any new listeners. I, I'm sure we have a few people who are going to start listening regularly now after maybe discovering us through that, um, through our November episode. So it's, it's really great to be here with everybody. Um, going through we're going to be going through a lot in the in the months and years ahead (laughs) so before we do that though just a a little announcement um for our patrons these are people who support us at patreon.com slash mugglecast with either two dollar pledges or five dollar pledges we will be hosting a holiday party later this month we're going to be doing something live on uh on google hangouts i believe or youtube or something um Mm -hmm. so stay tuned to that we want to Hang out with everybody online, and we'll we'll get everybody involved in a chat of some sort. Maybe maybe a video chat. We'll see. Yeah, this, we just want to thank all of our supporters because, after all, it is thanks to those people on Patreon that we're doing two episodes a month. 
Yeah. Uh, and this was the year that we launched, uh, our Patreon. So, I mean, our podcast has been around since 2005, but this was the year that we finally said, well, you know, let's give this a try. And it's been hugely successful. We've met a lot of really cool people, uh, who are, you know, proud to support us and we're proud to have them. And it's just, uh, our way of saying thanks for a great year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and Andrew, you mentioned all the, potential new listeners that are finding out about MuggleCast. And I know a lot of them like to go back and listen to older episodes. And uh, I thought it was just important to briefly mention that uh, there's a little snafu with uh, some of our Mm. older episodes uh, for people who are looking to go back and and enjoy the very early days of the show. And, And we're working to resolve it as quickly as possible. I know I saw a couple of people tweet in about that. So, uh, just, Hold tight, and we'll let people know as soon as it's resolved. Yeah, if you're yeah. on the MuggleCast website uh, trying to click players on sort of the first half of our episodes, uh, it's they're down. But we're fixing them. Yeah. By the way, uh, um, thanks to India for pointing out that iTunes currently right now on their podcast homepage in their podcast store, they have a For Harry Potter fan section. Ooh. And we're one of the shows featured in there. Well, we better be. We're, we're, we're Steve Jobs approved. <laughs> I'm not sure why we're last in the list, but chronology because we were the first, right? It's chronological. It's got to yeah, be. Yeah, maybe. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we're Steve sense. Jobs approved after all. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, so let's talk a little news. We're going to spread out some of the recent news over this episode and the next episode. Plus, there was some other news that we spoke about after Fantastic Beasts came out and... Um, we recorded some bonus stuff on Patreon, so if you want to hear our thoughts on things like um, the confirmation of how Graves, or yeah. sorry, how Grindelwald transformed into Graves for so long, we spoke about that. The producer revealed how that happened, so we spoke about that on Patreon. But um, this was really cute. Are you guys Hamilton fans? I, I, I very much respect Lin-Manuel Miranda and his great talent. Uh, the show itself, uh, you know, is cool, but I, I just, I could never get tickets, so I, can't, I haven't seen it yet, but, um, yeah. yes, I like Hamilton quite a lot. Um, he, he's fantastic on Twitter. He's just very yeah. inspirational. I love following him. I'm not like a Hamilton fan yet, but, um, he's great. He's just very in touch with his, his listener or with his followers and, um, and, uh, pop culture. Mm-hmm. So he was doing a list earlier this week they quote pop culture events from which i have still not recovered many years later <laughs> and one of them was this moment this line from half bud prince i am not worried harry said dumbledore his voice a little stronger despite the freezing water i am with you and jk rowling took notice of this i think they follow each other on on twitter and uh, J.K. Rowling replied, cannot tell you what this means from you because this moment is one of my very favorites. Always feel Half-Blood Prince gets overshadowed by Deathly Hollows." And then Lin-Manuel replied, Half-Blood Prince is my favorite precisely because of this reprise of Dumbledore's You Are With Me at the beginning. You're deadly with a reprise, maestro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this back and forth is really genius. Like everything Lin does. Uh, like you were saying, Andrew, very inspirational, very good feeling, very intelligent. Yeah. Like it's, and he's a Harry Potter fan, which is great. Right. And the reason I wanted to talk about it was I thought it was interesting to hear J.K. Rowling say that uh, she thinks 
Half-Blood Prince gets overshadowed by Deathly Hallows. Do we agree with her? Eric's not going to do that because he doesn't like Deathly Hallows. (laughs) No, I don't. But yeah, what do you guys think? Uh, Are you guys guilty of overshadowing Half-Blood Prince by raving about Deathly Hallows? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Maybe she just means in the sense that it's the final book. Uh, But I do think that Mm. so much can be taken out of Half-Blood Prince. And actually, one of my favorite characters is is really introduced in that book, and that's Horace Slughorn, uh, who I I have a feeling may make an appearance in in one of, if not more than one of the Fantastic Beast films, particularly because of his tie to Tom Riddle. So uh, I, I... I, no, I don't feel that way. I actually, I actually really like Half Blood Prince. I, w- I would say more so than Deathly Hallows. Yeah, I do it, think it has gotten overshadowed because of because of Deathly Hallows being the final one. But but as I wrote in an article on Hypable, it's important that it's it, Half Blood Prince is very important because so much happens that that was that this moment that they they spoke about on twitter i mean that was dumbledore passing the torch yeah to harry oh yeah you have the very important the death of a mentor uh you know as the book concludes but you also have not only the setup with the horcruxes we find out what's going on for the first time the amazing memory sequences it's also the last book that has a chance to be fun and happy you mm-hmm. know before they go camping before they're you know, really, really up against it, uh, up against the world alone. So, yeah, Half-Blood Prince, you know, I don't know what, I guess I can guess what J.K. Rowling was saying, but I think critically a lot of people would probably enjoy or say that they enjoy reading Half-Blood more. Yeah. India, who's listening live via Patreon right now, she says, she points out, Joe's also said before that she considers Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows to be two halves of the same book. Mm, I do remember J.K. Rowling saying that. That's even weirder when you factor in that they split the last book into two films. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I loved the Half-Blood Prince movie, too. I need to reread that one, that book. Yeah. It's been a while. It's a good one. Anyway, well, so that was cool. Love, love, I always love hearing J.K. Rowling reflect on her own books. Yeah. The Harry Potter ones, especially. Yeah, I agree, too. That was a good, good, good tweet. Here's some exciting news for those of us in the United States. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is officially coming to Broadway in spring 2018. The producers are working with the Lyric Theater, which is currently home to a Cirque Cirque de Soleil. Soleil. (laughs) You got there eventually. Cirque de Soleil (laughs) Paramore show. Um, Not to be confused with Paramore, the band. No, it's not. It's not no. like a Cirque du Soleil and Paramore together combined make. Okay, no, that would be cool. I would probably go see that. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So they don't. They, they we don't know when tickets are going to go on sale. I would. I would assume if if it's spring twenty eighteen, then by the end of next year they'll probably be on sale. Because mm-hmm. um, the the UK tickets that show opened in June for previews, and tickets went on sale in October or November the previous year so yeah i i hopefully we'll get that hopefully tickets will be on sale by this time next year i know a lot of people will be anxious to make sure they get tickets because it's the interesting thing about this story for me is that they're actually renovating the theater that it's going to be in like completely 
what's the word? Uh, I'm reading, I'm quoting Hypable. Uh, the theater owner plans a multi-million dollar renovation to completely transform, remodel, and reconfigure the 1900-seat theater and turn it into a scaled-down, more intimate playhouse with approximately 1,500 seats. They're they're basically building the theater, renovating multi-millions of dollars are going into this to customize it to the specifications yeah. of the director and the producer of The Cursed Child. That's um, smart. Which is crazy. Well, it, it may just not like have... If you, if you think about it. You know, the ability to contain magic, so... <laughs> it needs to be upgraded. Well, at first... At first, it, I thought, well, yeah, that's exactly it, and I'm sure this thing happens more often uh, in New York than is publicized. Like you just kind of gut theaters, you know, add more seats. They're actually, in this case, taking away seats, though. They're taking it from 1900 down to 1500. And at first, I was like, oh, great! So even fewer Americans can see this play. Um, but then I looked up the current theater, which is the Palace Theater in London, and that only seats 1400. So oh. even even after the renovations uh, at this theater in New York. Uh, the American theater, which holds 1,500 people, uh, will be uh, bigger mm-hmm. um, than the one in London. So at least then it's okay. But yeah, just all of these uh, renovations they're planning to make it a specifically like a particularly good home for the play will be kind of exciting. And I wonder if they won't, in fact, add new elements to the play. Maybe they'll try and get the owl back, Andrew, <laughs> or, or something to uh, to be try better. and make the play, I don't know, a little different or special. It just seems like they're really into the whole customization route uh, well, with this play. I mean, this theater, I'm sure, is willing to do anything to get the Cursed Child, because once you right. get the Cursed Child, you're set for like a decade <laughs> at least. Well, that was going to be one thing that I said, though, is that I'm sure whatever money that they're putting into the renovations, they will easily make back. Uh, by mm-hmm. hosting the cursed child, and I think Andrew, that's what you were alluding to there. But uh, yeah, one other question that uh, popped into my mind in, in seeing this story is: Does that mean that the cursed child will stop its performances over in the UK um, as of this time? And and how does that work from mm. a casting standpoint? Because uh, are, are they planning to completely recast it here in the US? Yeah, I've seen people ask this a lot. I, I first of all, I don't think the UK cast is going to be coming over here because by spring 2018, they're going to be, they could be gone from the play. I mean, the yeah. actors normally don't last too long on plays because they're doing it night after night, and it's just, it, it's mentally. I mean, you know, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a theater expert, but I know it's, it's, it's a lot of work to to do this night after night. Yeah. Plus, the cursed child is not leaving the Palace Theater on London's West End anytime soon. That that it's staying there. So these two shows, I think, are going to be running simultaneously. Uh, I think it will be an all new cast. That seems pretty unless unless one of these actors like really wants to move to New York. And well, is right, up like for uh, doing well, a bunch like more shows. Richard Griffiths and Dan Radcliffe did uh, for Equus. Um, right. That. But that you know that was a but that was a limited time thing. It, yes, with, in the case yeah. of the cursed child, the plans are for it to obviously be there for a very long time. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I I kind of hate to bring this up, but like, <laughs> are they going to make Hermione white again? <laughs> oh God! And is that going to be a whole big thing? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But if they're is recasting, going to become black. <laughs> um. It'll it'll be it'll be a big deal. Whoever they cast, I mean, I guess presumably they're going to use British actors. I would hope so. 
Oh, well, there, there are enough British actors working in New York and L.A., though, these days. Um, Maybe Dan Radcliffe will do it. I hope so. <laughs> um, by 2018, he'll imagine? be, what, 31? Uh, 32-ish? I don't know how old he is. Yeah. So uh, I think he's a little younger than me. He'll be playing Maybe 36, He, he might be 27. Yeah, he could do it. Anyway, um, it's mm. it's great news because people here in the U.S. really want to see it, but getting over to the U.K. is obviously a, a little difficult. And as we've spoken about before, as a script, the, the show just doesn't come off that great. Um, but it really is great to see. Eric and Mike, I'm surprised you two haven't tried to go and see it. In London? Yeah, fl- flights? Yes. Yeah, just going to blame flights. My Flights are actually broken. pretty cheap right now, thanks to Brexit. <laughs> But <laughs> well, um, I, 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 I will I will say this. I will make effort to see it when it's in New York. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot easier for me to get to New York uh, from here. Um, right. And uh, I have multiple times. I saw Dan Rad on uh, in How to Succeed. I saw it again when Darren Chris did it. And I saw Rupert Grint in a play with Matthew Broderick. So, yeah, I mean, New York is definitely a lot easier to get to for me. And, and Micah, I can't imagine you would say differently. It, yeah, it's challenge for me to get to New York, uh, so I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to uh, <laughs> see it from Long Island. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll <laughs> definitely see it once. It, I mean, I'll try to get tickets. Just like, well, I'll try to get tickets. We'll go together. We'll, we'll record get in person again. We're we gonna be worried. Telly, we're we gonna release spoilers the week, the the night before. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Worm Tailey's back for revenge. Keep the secrets again. <laughs> Spoiling it yeah. two years later. Um, so we'll keep everybody posted on that. I just wanted to also note, this is a minor thing, uh, for those of you in the Los Angeles area, Wizarding World of Harry Potter, um, they're now serving hot butter beer. This Did you get some? I've been wa- no, because parking is still $18 and I still don't love it. <laughs> oh my God, Andrew, how I long know. have we been talking to you about this hot butter beer? It's the best butter beer there is. You still don't know, have I- it? practically smell it from my rooftop maybe it's just a little um, too warm still out in la right i mean <laughs> no that's no, what it is cold. it's been cooler but they did yeah so they added it recently i am i am excited to try it um they also about a week ago got rid of the 3d in harry potter and the forbidden journey wait what yeah how does that work so <laughs> isn't that part of the that ride work? well so so, so, so here's what happened. So, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey in Orlando uh, was not 3D, right? Uh, but for whatever reason, for the Hollywood Park, they decided to make that one 3D. I guess they just thought it would be cooler or something. Well, a lot of people, myself included, do not like it in 3D. I find the ride nauseating without the 3D in Orlando. So, so you try it here in Hollywood, and. You have to wear these glasses, which darken the the images that you're supposed to be looking at. So 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 the videos look like crap. The 3D is not good. You're being thrown all around while you're in these 3D environments, and and that's nauseating. Uh, I, I, the past couple times I've been on it, I just I go through it with my eyes closed. Closed. Mm-hmm. I like it's not fun. So. I think they got a lot of feedback about it, and yeah, they they got rid of the 3D, which is weird. And I guess they're kind of transitioning it right now, trying to f- trying to make it look better in 2D. That's that is very interesting. I mean, because the yeah. Forbidden Journey, I I thought they made it in 3D in California because it was sort of a compromise because they didn't have Escape from Gringotts, which is 3D in Florida. 
Um, mm. But I mean, the other thing about Forbidden Journey is there's real life 3D things, right? A Dementor, a spider that actually come out at you, right? Do they still have that yeah. in California? Yeah, yeah, all that's all so that's it's, there. Like it's the weird to have like yeah stuff. It's weird to have both digital 3D and you know real 3D elements that are coming out at you. It would have been kind of weird to see it under your glasses, like you're saying. It doesn't the yeah. is it the Dementor or the the spider that spit water on you? The spiders, right? Is it still there? Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. Yeah, I, but I I don't go on it. I I don't like the ride. <laughs> well, it's it's yeah, it's just a shame because that is the only is that the only ride or do they have the hippogriff as well? Uh, in uh, California, uh, they have the hippogriff ride. But oh, okay, that one's cool. like twenty seconds long. So yeah, <laughs> I, see, I don't, why I, I don't go. I, I don't like that ride. Uh, that ride makes me nervous because it's oh really. Oh. Are you sure Anna's you don't mean saying, Dueling Dragons? No, no, that no. One, I've, I've never gone to the Dueling yeah. Dragons. Well, that's even worse. And, um, and, and I should explain this. And is saying in the live stream, Andrew's logic, go on a ride that makes me sick just to close my eyes during the whole ride. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm peer pressured into going on to it. I have no choice. I'm like, I'm there with people, so I got to go on it. Yeah. But there have been a couple of times where I just say, I'll sit this one out. You guys have fun. <laughs> I'll go through the single rider line. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the whole thing. The line experience. It's still a good environment, right? When you go and get butterbeer, which Andrew doesn't because of parking, uh, it's a great social thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's cool to hang out there. I'm going to yeah. try to go before um, I leave. Head you got to do it before they, they sell out. They're going to sell out a hot butterbeer because it's going to be the hit because it's so good. No, well, because you no. just mentioned it on the show. That, yeah. that's clearly maybe it. i'll go today you gotta the race our listeners <laughs> is the park closes at like 6 p.m most nights they don't <sighs> even keep it open late so it's hard to get over there Ugh. look you gotta anyway you gotta let's make some move changes on. over there andrew they're, they're clearly not running a tight ship <laughs> they're really not <laughs> they're, really they're, not. they're failing the uh <laughs> wizarding world but maybe this is t- something we can discuss at a at a later time on another episode but just the general talk about the theme parks. I'm wondering when we can anticipate some sort of announcement about changes coming in. And I assume that they would be related to Orlando, not to LA, but I feel like it's been a while since we've gotten really any news related to the theme park. And we know how big of a cash cow it is uh, for universal. I I can't imagine that they're not going to look to continue to enhance, expand, and do some things uh, that would continue to make people want to come down there and hold conventions there and do all sorts of things. So um, I'm I'm anticipating a 2017 uh, announcement of some kind. Ooh, okay, yeah. Well, we can talk about that on our next episode because we are going to talk about what's ahead for Harry Potter fans in 2017 Ooh. in episode 307, appropriately. A year in review. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Eric, you have a story. You insisted (laughs) we talk about this. Micah and I said no, but Eric wants to. So we're going to make fun of him for it when he talks about it. Go ahead. There is a – so if you follow J.K. Rowling on Twitter, which everybody but Micah used to do, and now Micah does too, right? You follow her, right, Micah, now? I do, yeah. It was a big thing. Okay. There's this tweet. um, She replied to – basically, there's this uh, new species of spider – uh, which was discovered, and people realized, uh, who discovered it, that it looks a lot like the sorting hat in Harry Potter. 
So uh-huh. the sort of people who discovered it also have the, I mean, this is how it works in science and biology. You discover a new species, you get to name it. And uh, my Latin uh, nomenclature is a little rusty, so forgive me if I produce, uh, pronounce this wrong. Uh, but the new species of spider is called Aerovixia gryffindori. Uh, Gryffindori being the, of course, the, uh, nod to Harry Potter, uh, because it was Godric Gryffindor's sorting hat, uh, that this spider looks like. And this photo, and so J.K. Rowling tweeted, uh, back to, uh, Curio Critters, at Curio Critters on Twitter, uh, saying that she was truly honored. And, uh, she congratulated them on discovering what she called another fantastic beast, and so she, <laughs> in emojis, she pointed to a spider and did like little magic stars next to it. And so she has decided that this spider, which is real world thing, Ariovixia gryffindori, is a fantastic beast. Okay, well, A, that's not canon. I don't care if she <laughs> says it on Twitter. That doesn't make it canon. Of course it does. No, no. She was joking. And 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 B, I yeah, I guess this thing looks like a sorting hat. But if I, I mean, good, they discovered a new creature. That's great. <laughs> Eric, we're not desperate for Harry Potter stories anymore. We've got Fantastic Beasts to talk about. We don't need to talk about spiders. But you admit like it looks like hats. a hat. It looks like the Sorting Hat. From this think? angle, yes, it looks like a hat. From any other angle, good, it probably doesn't. A very good picture of it. Uh, and, and actually, so here's a little bit of detail on the spider. This isn't just an empty filling time on the podcast news story. I swear it. Okay. Uh, it says the reason this spider takes the shape of a magical hat is to camouflage itself to resemble a dried leaf during the daytime to protect itself from predators. So again, it's, you know, more the survival aspect thing, but it's, it's totally real. And the, the person who named it, uh, was a it was a very uh, fond Harry Potter fan. Um, so <laughs> okay. uh, growing up, uh, and and said that that he was very affected. Um, All right. Well, and he caught the attention of J.K. Rowling. Yeah, his so name is uh, Javed Ahmed. Um, so good so going, if you want to see this spider we, in person, you can travel to India and yeah, Mumbai. Um, sort of, uh, it's somewhere uh, in that area. The Khans Forest but, uh, but, of Karnataka. Yeah. There you go. Let's but, uh, move. That's on. my only contribution okay. to that story. Thank you, guys. I'm so. I'm so. Michael thank like, you for indulging. Before me. recording, Michael was like, "I refuse to talk about this," <laughs> <laughs> and I held out for pretty much all but five seconds of that conversation. So you did great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Give us something you want to all talk right, about, well, Michael. Speaking of fantastic beasts, we framed uh, this week's discussion similar to how we really used to theorize about different things. It it really does kind of, as Eric said earlier, take us back to when we were talking about uh, Half-Blood Prince, right? And that's that's when the show really started was uh, following the release, I should say, of of Harry Potter and the first hundred episodes. And uh, Mm – a lot of discussion and, and theorizing went on as to the events that took place in that book. And then, of course, what we could all expect in Deathly Hallows. So uh, we know that uh, this has been a big discussion point. We've seen a lot of articles and, and tweets and posts and all sorts of things come through about Ariana Dumbledore and whether or not she is an Obscurus, which uh, was introduced to us in the first Fantastic Beast films 
Um, and the quote was, I believe it's from Newt, um, an, an obscurus creates an unstable, uncontrollable dark force inside the child. Like a parasite, it would drain the child's power and ultimately their life force. And uh, I think a lot of people naturally went to the conclusion uh, upon hearing this and, and upon learning about Credence in this film that Ariana was in fact an Obscurus and her story, at least what we know about it uh, from Aberforth and, and from what we have in terms of passages from Deathly Hallows seems to align, uh, but we'll jump into that, I'm sure, uh, as well as what it means for the future or technically the past in terms of the relationship between Dumbledore and Grindelwald and what Ariana being an Obscurus could have meant to the falling out between the two of them and, and ultimately her death. So mm. any, any initial thoughts? Yeah, there? I, well, I do love that. This is one of the elements that Jakey Rowling is sliding in slowly. Um, I think that everybody is right. It just all lines up too perfectly because this is this could this could play into future fantastic Fantastic Beast movies. We can first of all, I think the phrase Fantastic Beasts could very well relate to the Obscurus. Like an Obscurus is in a way yeah. a fantastic beast. So for people wondering, well, how could they keep calling it Fantastic Beasts? That's one way they could get away with it. Um, but yeah, I think <clears throat> I think everybody's right here, and I, I I loved one of my favorite elements of the movie was J.K. Rowling introducing this new form of magic that we, in many ways, have not heard about before, but we have. It's just we didn't know what the name of it was. Right, and and I like what you're saying there, uh, in terms of the Obscurus being the Fantastic Beast, and and really the first movie was about where to find it. And and I wonder if that's going to be the common thread that we see throughout the next several movies. Uh, if in fact yeah, the title, I mean, true. I mean, there are, well, yeah, there are multiple shades of the, t I mean, the title is not going to be just about one beast, but I like that the film, and I believe we said this when we were contemplating this for a little bit, uh, when we were all together was, you know, the, the film is about the, the beast within us and in the obscurus, you have this beast that grows and feeds like a parasite. Um, and, you know, the fact that or the the possibility that we already knew sort of what the, the symptoms were uh, in Ariana without knowing the cause. Now the cause has been revealed is very exciting. And I think it will take the forefront. I think it's it's very clear because of uh, Grindelwald's appearance in this film and how big it was and how important it was that he was terrorizing Europe, as well as what the producers and directors have all said in interviews, that Dumbledore will become a major player. And it seems it seems uh, like it was always meant to happen this way, where Dumbledore has some personal stakes. And and it's it's I think it's very clear that J.K. Rowling is, is intending it to be Ariana. Right. And and so I think that if you look towards the quotes from Aberforth uh, that we mentioned earlier, uh, it gives a little bit of history in terms of what initially happened to Ariana, and then you know we can we can kind of go from there. So the quote sure. the quote is, 
When my sister was six years old, she was attacked by three muggle boys. They seen her doing magic, spying through the back garden hedge. She was a kid. She couldn't control it. No witch or wizard can at that age. What they saw scared them, I expect. They forced their way through the hedge, and when she couldn't show them the trick, they got a bit carried away trying to stop the little freak doing it. It destroyed her what they did. She was never right again. She wouldn't use magic, but she couldn't get rid of it. It turned inward and drove her mad. It exploded out of her when she couldn't control it, and at times she was strange and dangerous. But mostly, she was sweet and scared and harmless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this... That's that's very clear. <laughs> exploded out of her. Uh, it turned inward. She couldn't use it, couldn't get rid of it. This sounds exactly like an Obscurus. And and we see in Credence... Yeah. It's pretty close. It's not right there, on the there's nose, a but real um, hesitancy on his part to use magic, just given who his adoptive family is and and what their feelings are yeah. towards the wizarding community. Whereas with Ariana, I feel like she probably would have grown up to be a a perfectly capable and able witch had this mm-hmm. situation not occurred. Uh, and her interaction with these three muggles just completely caused something to happen to her that she decided that she could no longer use magic. And and I feel like this would be something very disturbing to see on screen if, if we actually go back and, and in time to see what was in fact done to her. Because I know we've we've had conversations in prior episodes even – uh, about this particular situation and and what uh, we could compare it to in in you know quote unquote the real world, um, it, it you know it has elements of of rape. Uh, I think we've we've discussed that, um, and yeah. and what's happened to her is she's internalizing everything that's going on to the point where she can't control uh, her her reactions to different things. And we know that one of these outbursts seemingly resulted in the death of her mother. Yeah, and, and her father went crazy, uh, or, you know, and, and basically attacked these muggle boys. You know, Mr. Dumbledore, Albus's father, Albus and Aberforth and Ariana's father, was put into Azkaban for basically revenge attacking these young boys for what they did to his daughter. And it's it's very intense. I mean, this one incident that n- not only permanently disfigures Ariana and and later, you know, causes her death, uh, but you know, leads to a, a firm dismembering of the the Dumbledore family. Um, it's a it's a huge event, and it seems to my mind now um, completely absurd that 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 J.K. Rowling wouldn't go into greater detail. You know, the way that it's presented in in book seven is it's a subplot, right, that Harry may not be able to trust Dumbledore. So this whole Dumbledore backstory is all about how Dumbledore was flawed and only human after all. And it's it's color, but there's so much else in there. You know, you don't get a lot of time to focus on it with the Fantastic Beasts coming out and being, you know, it's going to be about Grindelwald and Dumbledore and, and whatever Newt's relationship is to the two of them. You have a lot of opportunity now to explore this story in greater detail. So I just think it's really like quite brilliant that she's given us something that is very clearly, without directly stating it, is very clearly relating to those events 
And it's, it's an absolute in for her to explain this and explore what happened between Dumbledore, Grindelwald, Ariana, the boys, uh, their dad, you know, every, everything, uh, all in the course of the next couple films. Right. It, when I this this line from Aberforth is interesting. It destroyed her. What they did. She was never right again. Mm-hmm. How how can we put this in the context of credence? Is this when, like, at what point would this be in credence's timeline? I think it's so it's entire upbringing for him. Yeah, the reason it's the reason it's not a specific moment in the film is because credence is an exception. In the film, his whole role is he's an obscurus, right? But he's also an adult. And there are no adult obscurials. Like, there just aren't. Newt says the other one that he met in Sudan was, was 10, uh, and it was killing her, and it did kill her when he removed it. But, you know, she was dying. There are no children th- that survive this. And so it would have been Credence when he was much younger. Um, whatever his, however soon or quickly he was able to be adopted into this non-wizard family. But I think it's because of whatever happened to his mom, right? Um, the, the lady, I'm forgetting her name, the crazy lady in Fantastic Beasts, um, who was his adoptive mother, uh, it, you know, talked about how his Mary mother Lou. was a witch. Yeah. Mary Lou. Thank you. Um, you know, and, and I think that it was a traumatic childhood event that caused him to basically deny who he was, but, he somehow, just like Queenie is a superb legilimens, uh, Credence was so superb that this Obscurus didn't kill him. Uh, and, and he was able to gain control over, which is something that no other Obscurus had, had ever done before. Um, mm-hmm. so I think it was young to answer your question. Like a young Credence would have been very much the way Ariana was. Um, you know, sort of having outbursts, uh, that, that can't be contained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it also depends too at what point, and and they may say this in the movie, and I'm just not remembering it, that Credence was adopted, because to me, what what adopted by, well, Mary Lou, yeah, that that's not her actual her actual son, right, right. That's what I'm saying. When Mary Lou adopted Credence, and then Credence had to sort of fall in line with mm. the belief system, so that is when he really began to internalize a lot of what he was feeling and and what he knew to be true about himself. I feel like in in Ariana's case, she was so young that it's almost like it was forced upon her to internalize and maybe it's, it's the memory she has of what took place at the hands of these three muggle boys that keeps her magic in check or, or maybe her magic was never, even allowed to evolve properly the way it's supposed to because of what was done to her. I think there's probably varying degrees of obscurials uh, in, in terms of how they they manifest themselves, I would think, mm-hmm. dependent upon the situations yeah. that, that they're in. And and I think that, yeah. you know, that and suppression of magic, I mean, I think there's definite parallels to, um, you know, the our world let's say when when you know in terms of suppression of different things so the fact that she sort of especially during going into world war ii right i mean especially like suppression of uh absolutely of jewish of of homosexual of all of that stuff that goes into the world war ii you know nazi regime it's a complete and utter parallel um i think very intentional to you know and timely in the way even though 
it, it is sort of the darker part of the movie. It's extremely relevant and important and very interesting that Joe has found a way to make something completely her own or that, that is a parallel that exists so firmly in the wizarding world. Um, that, that kind of goes on along. And the interesting thing with me though, uh, or for me, is the obscurial or obscurus, as soon as Newt says it, right? He's like, I'll recognize the marks. It's totally an obscurus. Everybody in that room, the entire international confederation of wizards that's there, uh, including Seraphina Pickery is like, you know, that's impossible. There hasn't been an obscurus in, in, uh, you know, centuries. And Newt, you know, it, it does, does his job and says, Oh, you know, I saw one last week or whatever, but <laughs> the, they're so, they're so shocked and surprised and sort of in denial that because we know that like America in the 1920s is such a horrible place for wizards, they deny who they are. They hide in secret. I'm actually surprised Obscurus's aren't more common. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that that's the question I would ask JK Rowling right now is, you know, why aren't they just completely more common? If you're living in this horrible place that a lot, that makes you deny who you are, why doesn't it happen more often? Um, it's kind of my whole thing, but, but they, I don't think there's a mass denial though of, of, you know, the wizarding community, uh, believing in who they are. I I think that there are examples of situations in the case of credence where you have a young man who has been adopted by a woman who is crazier than a shithouse rat to borrow a, a term from you, Eric, that you've used many times. And, and so he's, he's forced into this situation where he has to truly hide who he is and we know the results and and how it plays itself out and to tie it back to ariana's situation i i don't think that we're gonna find that the relationship to grindelwald for both excuse me for both credence and ariana are all that different i think who knows if the friendship that developed between Dumbledore and Grindelwald was ever really based in any sort of, of true friendship. Maybe it was just his desire for power and seeing what an Obscurus could do for him or multiple uh, Obscurials could do for him in his quest for power. He found that in, in Ariana. Now, how he comes to know about her existence, maybe it's just by chance. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe there's other people out there who know uh, about Ariana and and her situation, but I I tend to think that there's definitely underlying motives here uh, for Grindelwald, and and it's certainly a precursor, I believe, uh, to why he goes in search of credence uh, in America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael, who's listening live via Patreon right now, he agrees with you guys. Um, he says it's the biggest thing that doesn't make sense, in my opinion. What uh, regarding Regarding, like, why aren't there more Obscurios? Why don't we know about more of them? What about Muggleborns who just are never found by the magical community? Wouldn't they become Obscurials? That's a good point, too. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I mean, it, to play devil's advocate, maybe J.K. Rowling <laughs> does have all this in mind. And she is going to tell us about all the other... Tell us about the Obscurial community, I guess you could say. Um, and maybe they got it more in control in the decades that followed the events of Fantastic Beasts. Sure. Um, especially after people die. The other thing is that J.K. Rowling has taken care to make sure that, like in the case of those Muggleborns, right, it was proposed uh, that maybe there's just a bunch of Muggleborns who are never found. 
your Hogwarts letter, we know from Harry's own experience getting his Hogwarts letter, the Hogwarts letter finds you, you know? They take the Wizarding World, take great care to make sure that you are informed about who you are. Now, back in the 40s, we know that Dumbledore has to go to Tom Riddle himself. Maybe it used to not be so easy with the, the owl post, you know, to go and inform wizards that they were wizards. But you still get the, the sense that they're specifically trying to pre- prevent uh, a muggle-born or somebody who do, who's not expected to have magic or who has no parents to tell them who and what they are, who and what they are. You, you, you kind of have to, otherwise something like this develops. So maybe that's, mm-hmm. maybe that's why you have like the Hogwarts letter happening, um, you know, on your 11th birthday is because by then, surely you would have noticed some things were off, but it's like, it's right when you're ready to be taken and, and, and shown the way. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if the timeline works out because if Obscurus is usually kill their hosts before age 10, then it's usually a much bigger issue and the Hogwarts letter wouldn't prevent that. So yeah, uh, the math didn't work out for me just then. Uh, let's read some feedback here from people. Um, this is from we asked people on Patreon. This was a question for our patrons to contribute to this week's episode. We yep. said, "How could Ariana's death slash Dumbledore play into future Fantastic Beast films as it pertains to Grindelwald?" Uh, Cody said, "For sure, with everything we know about Obscurus now, plus the Grindelwald connection, I think it's a very safe bet." Also, the reaction the International Confederation had when Newt told them that what killed Shaw was an Obscurus and how Makuza handled Credence at the end of the movie shows why the Dumbledores would have wanted to keep Ariana's condition a secret. That's a good point, Cody. They reacted in fear and and tried to kill it. So do we think in future Fantastic Beast movies we're going to jump back in time? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Because the question is whether or not Graves first learned about Obscurus is because of Ariana. Be, and like, and maybe through his correspondence with Dumbledore, or whether that's yet to happen. Like, it's so unclear to me what age Dumbledore was, what age Grindelwald was when Ariana, when the events with Ariana occurred, at least the initial inciting event. And then years later, of course, is a big confrontation where there's a, is it a duel? Dumbledore's nose gets broken and Ariana dies. Or yeah. one of those happens at a funeral. Maybe at her funeral, Dumbledore's nose gets broken. I get the events all confused. Need to reread Deathly Hallows again. But it's unclear to me whether or not J.K. Rowling's intending to still show the maybe even the initial attack on Ariana, or whether, because I, I like to assume they were all kind of children at the time, that it was an event in the past. But it's, there's sort of, it's sort of muddy what, what the timeline is to, to whether or not that's what drove Graves to America. Or whether it was something else, but I like to believe that it was well, not Graves, Dumbledore. Grindelwald. Yeah, Grindelwald. Sorry, um, same thing. So you know, Grindelwald discovered Ariana. Obviously, she was too weak to be utilized. So he goes in search of another example and is like, "Oh, America's a, a really terrible place. Uh, I'm sure I'll find you know uh, somebody suppressing magic there I don't, um, because it's so horrible." I don't know if it, it, yeah. it's a situation where she is too weak. I I think that. He tried to utilize her, and that's what resulted in the duel between Dumbledore and and Grindelwald and Aberforth, and and, and then there was that spell that hit her and killed her. I think that that's where the falling out between these two ultimately begins. And so I think there is a chance that you go back in time 
and we get this moment shown to us, uh, I, I don't think you get the same effect in terms of you know a conversation that's being had, let's say, between Dumbledore and Newt, where Newt learns about what's happened to Dumbledore's sister, or perhaps Newt is already aware of this. Maybe you know. I, I think another question to ask is how does Newt factor in to this whole storyline because he clearly knows about yeah. Obscurials and and what they are and maybe Ariana is is the first time that he really learns about what this quote-unquote fantastic beast really really is I mean I wouldn't classify you know she's a person not a beast so I think that's it's a little weird to refer to her that way but well yeah I, we're going to talk about this in bonus Mugglecast today, actually, for patrons, because um, we found out this week that Newt's brother was searching for Grindelwald. So we, so that could explain how Newt is going to have a further role in this movie. But also, like, the, series. the Beast, you're right, though, Micah, too, that there's an inherent, like, there's this knowledge, like, Newt, uh, it was recently said somewhere else, he's, like, the foremost authority on, on everything Beast. He's the only one who cares enough about these beasts to be the first person it's even shown in this movie when uh tina's like oh you're writing a book is it to to exterminate them to kill them and he's like no it's to protect them newt's the first one who cares so i think it's his own passion that really uh ingratiates dumbledore to him or the other way around that you know dumbledore who knows a lot about being very unique and the unique aspects of the wizarding world he's discovered dragon's blood all this other stuff uh you know is is taken to Newt, and I think he includes Newt in some of his research, much like he does um, Harry with the Horcruxes. You know, I think he does Newt with either the situation with his sister uh, or something like that's, that. I think it would be very interesting. That's a fair point. I think from a timing standpoint, though, we're clearly past these events already having it's true. taken place, right? Dumbledore is already working at Hogwarts. Grindelwald is already sort of on the run yeah, as as a major... Convict, but yeah, but also yeah. to your maybe maybe you're right though. Maybe Dumbledore is the one who sends Newt uh, to Africa to find this Obscurus. Uh, maybe he's developed uh, you know sort of this passion to protect those that are like his sister was. Maybe that's why Newt gets kicked out of Hogwarts is because he has to go on a secret mission to stop Grindelwald. Um, you know, and it's just a convenient way to get him out Maybe. of the public's eye. I, um, it's still clear that there was a creature involved and somebody died, right? So I bet it was yeah. Aragog. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, that hasn't Aragog happened yet. Is great, that great, hasn't great, happened great, yet. Great, great grandfather. <laughs> grandfather. Well, no, no, no. It's only like twelve years, right? Difference because nineteen forty. Uh, wait, no, two. Wait, the events of the Chamber of Secrets will happen during the time span of these Fantastic Beasts films. Uh, from what J.K. Rowling said, it will end with the confrontation between Dumbledore and Grindelwald in 1945, and the Chamber of Secrets was opened in 1942. So you'll have Tom Riddle, young, blaming Hagrid for the opening of the Chamber of Secrets, and Aragog. And Aragog, by the way, came to uh, Hagrid in the pocket of a traveler, uh, which is totally going to be Newt, um, based on the quote from Chamber of Secrets. It's totally going to be Newt, by the way. Mm. Um but yeah, like yeah, I guess that adds up. Yeah, it's just so weird, traveler. like how how tied in a traveler though, to the I mean, central. That's a very generic yeah. way to, I guess, try and get away with it, it later on. 
Well, Newt's a traveler. He goes to safaris and, you know, he's, he's across the world. If Newt is anything, it's a, it's a traveler. I guess you're right then. I guess um, it's not Aragog's great, 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 great. It's, it could be his father for all we know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally. So I, I think that the Newt Dumbledore stuff is – Newt's. it's going to be clear to us at all, I think, as a guess because of this obscurious thing, the way that – the way that she stream or like really main staged this this thing, which I think I believe very firmly is going on with Dumbledore's sister, um, that Newt, it'll become clear that Newt was really center staged the entire Harry Potter story. Like he had his hands in pies. He was the guy who gave Hagrid Aragog. He was the guy who helped Dumbledore with his sister and and helped defeat Grindelwald. You know, Newt is is sort of the hidden gem of. The Harry Potter series, it's going to turn out right. to be. And well, especially um, because, is, and and I apologize because I can't remember who I saw tweet this, and I think it's a really great thought, and probably other people have come up with it as well. But that Fox could have been given to Dumbledore uh, by yeah. Newt as well. And and we know Dumbledore has a very special connection with Fox. It's like you know almost telepathic. That would um, be very cool. That would be very cool. If Newt gave him Fox. So we have some other feedback here, but I feel like we've said most of what people wanted to say. Right? Mm. Was there anything in here in particular, Micah, that we should mention? Um, Amber, Katie, Sophia, Lindsay, and Colin all submitted some stuff. Um, Along with a bunch but of But everybody people. seems... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. we. These were the people we were going to read, but... um, um. I th- I think everybody seems to be in agreement here that that she is probably an obscurus and I I see this playing into future Fantastic Beast movies explaining why Dumbledore wants to fight Grindelwald um and then Newt will tie in there somehow as well in a way that we st- that is still to be seen um right he could be like the ultimate controller of the obscurus <laughs> it's kind of the obscurus whisperer <laughs> yeah yeah or like just being able to help can contain them. I mean, he we know he can contain one. Mm-hmm. It in a case. And and what did um somebody I, I saw J.K. Rowling respond to that an obscurus is like a baby dementor. Oh, she loved that theory. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah some, somebody just tweeted at her and was like, "Hey, friend of mine is thinking that uh that there's the Dumbledore or Dementor, sorry." Like baby dementors and obscurus, and she's like, "I love this idea, winky winky, um, winky winky." I don't think it was ever, re- yeah. She did two little winky oh, face okay. emojis. I think I'm looking for the tweet right now, but I can't mm-hmm. find it. But it was totally just I, like that. I would also like to see a flashback to the night of Ariana's death because I think that'd be a great treat for Harry Potter fans. Um, Me too, so but they do- have to get Jamie Campbell Bower to play young Grindelwald. You can't have Johnny Depp play young Johnny, <laughs> young Grindelwald. You no, that's Jamie. true. Well, may- <laughs> maybe they don't get Jamie, but but yes, I see your point. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't have uh, Johnny Depp do it. Two other interesting things worth talking about. Um, so the original Fantastic Beast book, it is published, quote unquote, it's fictionally published by a a, a book company publisher called obscurus books so this obscurus term has actually been around right in front of us since 2001 when jk rowling originally published fantastic beasts and where to find them and quidditch for the ages i mean boom right this is this is the epic boom of jk rowling 
hiding something in plain sight, her brilliance at foreshadowing, at casting a, uh, a fishing line so far into the past and hooking yeah. us without knowing. It's unbelievable. So you could be a negative dancing and be like, oh, she just, you know, okay, she she didn't have the concept for an obscurial slash obscurious set a decade ago, but she did come up with this word a decade ago, and she just found it. It was like, oh, let me call it Obscurus. <laughs> no, there's, there's very much a reason why Newt chooses that to be the name of his publishing company. Um, Is it Newt's know, publishing company? So that's, that's another question. Be. Well, well, because otherwise, the thing is, it is kind of a dark name, right? It's like naming it Horcrux Books. Uh, mm. naming your, naming your publishing company Horcrux Books. Uh, so when Accio said, when Hermione says Accio Horcrux Books, it, the publishing company gets ripped from its foundation and diagonally flies through Hermione's dorm room and into her magical mm. purse. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a dark word. No, it's a dark see, term. I, I, I would argue the opposite. I would say it would be a nod to Ariana, to Credence, to others that he's come across because these are kids. These are not kids oh. with evil intent. It's, I would almost mm-hmm. see it as, you know, uh, a way of honoring them. Yeah. Oh, I a like that idea. a lot. But it is a dark creature, isn't it? I mean, oh, it's, yeah, it's absolutely. Sort of, there's, a, but I, I, there's a bad connotation. Trying to keep it positive. It, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I absolutely love your idea. So, um, and this Obscurus Books <clears throat> term slash Obscurus has appeared in other areas as well, Um friend of the show slash always have to mention him apparently colon said that obscurus books is actually in diagon alley the theme park too what like like yeah there's a sign that says it Ugh. i don't have a picture but he says it's it's there so and, and from googling i'm pretty sure it's in that one of those playstation games like book of spells or something as well so it's a well-known and by the way obscurus books is in diagon alley it's a shop in diagon alley both the theme park and like in canon um obviously if it's in the theme park but so if you google image search obscurus books you'll see shots of diagon alley from the playstation game um and yeah like the cover of fantastic beast the original cover where it says obscurus books and by the way the obscurus books logo not that this may mean anything but it's a the o is replaced by a moon. Yeah. A half moon. A half moon. What does it mean? Hmm. Half moon spectacles. It's Dumbledore again. <laughs> um, maybe this is what Lita Lestrange does after Hogwarts. She sells Newt's books. Look, uh, I, she's the main proprietor. I think that this is, you know, we're going to have a lot of these types of discussions. I feel yeah. like in the in the coming months, you know, years even, as we learn more about this story, because I feel like a lot of this stuff is going to be tied back in that and you both of you kind of touched on this earlier is just it's it's all been there underneath our our nose so to speak for for years for decades and jk rowling has always been masterful kind of weaving it all together in a way that we're we're still shocked we're still stunned and uh, that's what makes us all so much fun i think too yeah yeah, I mean, there's so many elements like this, Obscurus, Lita, Grindelwald, so many things open-ended that she introduced in the series, and yet it didn't, in in this movie, and yet it didn't feel like it was just a setup movie. It felt very yeah. complete, I thought. 
And nobody was asking about, oh, Obscurus Books, Newt's Publishing Company. Like, nobody was asking about that when, like, that's right. the one, the one question I must w- most want answered out of Harry Potter seven books. <laughs> what was Obscurus? Nobody knew this. It was hidden in plain sight. We didn't understand that these were the questions to ask. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then this is kind of unofficial confirmation about Ariana and the Obscurus. <laughs> um, on December 1st, Pottermore wrote a new piece about Ariana Dumbledore. Basically, it's a recap of her history. Um, it's called The Mysterious Life and Death of Ariana Dumbledore. So this was published like two weeks after Fantastic Beasts came out. Mm. It just, the timing to release this right after Fantastic Beasts comes out, after all the speculation online, about Ariana being an obscurus, it just seems to be Pottermore's little wink at the community. They they don't mention an obscurus in here, but they quote Aberforth, the the quotes we read from Aberforth earlier in this episode. Um, yeah, it's just basically a recap of Ariana. So that's basically you know they, unofficial information. Yeah, they 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 know what's going on. And what's yeah. what's really interesting is that you know throughout all the different uh, comments that people have left and and tweets and and I haven't seen one person say that they think opposite or that they they don't believe that this is true or it's just a red herring or anything like that. I'm sure there's probably some people out there that think that way, but I've never seen so, sort of such a strong consensus uh, amongst potter fans that this is this is definitely what we're going to get or what we're going to learn um if yeah. not in the well, next film it, definitely in future films it matches up and as of right now there's there's no reason not to think this is the case so it's just so funny because of the hints that were dropped like it's finally reached a tipping point on this particular mystery what other mysteries lay completely hidden in plain sight in in harry potter right that is gonna she's just gonna pull She's going to drop the shoe and we're going to see, oh, my God, you know, pull the curtain back and and we'll see. Just like, you know, my theory on Aragog and, and all this other stuff. I think that it's it's in the text. It's hidden. And just to get into conspiracy theory territory, you know, we're talking about obscurest books having a physical storefront or a sign pointing to it in the theme park. That J.K. Rowling, you know, we know that she convinced Heyman and Yates to put Ariana Dumbledore and Aberforth even – in Deathly Hallows Part 2, that they could have easily been cut because, frankly, there's a lot of stuff that gets cut when you adapt those books, uh, but that they were still important enough to show. And, you know, I kind of feel like Ariana, who who's only in Deathly Hallows Part 2 as a portrait for, like, five seconds, is in that movie because that's a story that was going to eventually get told one day and that it, and that it mattered enough to be in that film so that it could be in future films. Um, you know, I, I just, I get, and, and J.K. Rowling's got to send notes to Stuart Craig and it's like, this is what you have to put in Diagonale because it's relevant to the greater wizarding world. These stories, not the stories we have told, but the stories that will be told that it's all prep for some massive future Harry Potter, uh, you know, huge story, uh, that's, that's it's coming our way. It's also beautiful. Let's start looking through Quidditch of the ages now. Through the <laughs> yeah, ages now. That's the one where it's just there. like, oh, what's going to be relevant? Yeah. Um, yeah um katie says the only reason for me not to think it is that it would contradict grindelwald's belief that all obscurials are 10 or younger in in um, terms of ariana being an obscurial 
Yeah, there was, well, she was one person she was who made age. the comment, I think, that Ariana was slightly older. I think she was 14 when she died, if the math okay. is correct. Uh, she is a Dumbledore, though. <laughs> she is a Dumbledore, and we also know that Credence was above the age of 10 as well. So, uh, yeah. And it's possible, let's remember that, you know, in the case of somebody like Newt, he may not want to talk about Ariana. You know, maybe it's it's information that he has and, you know, he's not going to say, oh, I knew another Obscurious that was... That's true too. You know, older yeah. than she should have been. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there there's probably some more to look into from a detail standpoint in terms of how old she would have been. But uh, I think the other evidence is just so overwhelming that it's possible that she was another exception uh, to that rule of, of, you know, not really living past the age of 10. I think, I think it's just like Newt, like you're saying, Micah, exactly what you're saying about how if, if it was told to Newt in confidence and Newt would be the kind of person, cause he's a Hufflepuff and Hufflepuffs are loyal to respect Dumbledore's confidence and privacy. Uh, when talking, even when talking about Obscurials, uh, Obscurious because it's relevant to what's threatening all of America and the Wizarding World. He still would protect that secrecy and not openly talk about that fourteen-year-old girl. Right, just, and, and I'm not, know. I'm not entirely sure what her age was when when she was killed. But I will say to the to the point that um, do you say it was Katie who made it? Uh, yes. for, yeah. yeah, yeah. The reaction by Graves slash Grindelwald when he finds out that it's Credence. I think is one of complete shock. So that would kind of go against the entire argument of him having experienced Ariana as an Obscurus at an older age, because if, if he's in awe of seeing somebody like Credence, given how old he is, uh, it's almost like it's something that he's never seen before. So I don't know if that completely undermines the entire discussion we just had for the last 30 or 40 minutes but no no well no 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 but i'll also add too that like it it makes me think a lot of aberforth um too because aberforth really watched over ariana uh a lot more than than albus ever did and if her condition was you know as as an obscurial um aberforth would have would also have crucial information regarding what that looks like, what that is like, how do you protect someone who is that way? Aberforth would have reason to like Newt as well, um, and rely on Newt for, for information. So maybe there's a bit of misdirection here on the part of Joe. Maybe Aberforth has more of a role to play in the Newt's commander storyline than Albus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, let's wrap it up here. I think, uh, we went very in depth there. If anybody has any feedback to add, please email mugglecast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter with some thoughts, twitter.com slash mugglecast. We're always checking. We're always participating uh, in in conversations with people on Twitter. It's a lot of fun. Just, so, just like old times, guys. This was just, just like old times. Like old times. Um, little fun thing here before we start to wrap up the show. We did a quiz on Hypable. Which Fantastic Beast creature are you? It's a fun quiz. Um, we wanted to all take it for this for this week's episode. Uh, 
it'll ask you a couple serious questions, but it also asks you a couple of fun questions like, <laughs> um, what is your ideal date? And what's the best are wizarding you, school? <laughs> yeah. Are you an extrovert or an introvert? All to try to figure out what Fantastic Beast creature are you. Obviously, there are a lot of great ones in the movie. So we thought it'd be fun to identify with one. I got Swooping Evil. Really? Wow. Is that right? The description written by McCall says... (laughs) It says, you have quite a formidable reputation, but your beak is worse than your bite most of the time. You enjoy picking people's brains... And though you have a poisonous side, you can also be quite soothing, and you can always be trusted in sticky situations. That is, I think that's pretty accurate of me. I'm I'm poisonous. I like the way that's written, actually, because it sees both sides of the beast. Like, it's really cool in that yeah. way. Yeah. Mikhail's um, a great writer. Yeah. Um, what do you guys get? Micah. Uh, clearly, Eric wants to do some sort of big reveal here for himself. Uh <laughs> Oh god! Well, yeah, it is a big reveal. It's a monumental, <laughs> gargantuan reveal. Uh, I, I got the uh, the demi guys, and uh, oh. what's interesting is because I actually thought of that beast before I even took the quiz, uh, and oh, and funny. it said uh, you're sensitive and empathetic, and you always trust your feelings. Though you prefer not to be the center of attention, some might even say you're invisible. Uh, you're sweet, thoughtful, and caring, <laughs> and occasionally mischievous. Uh, that's you to a T, Micah. I don't know if you feel that, but I feel that. <laughs> Thanks. I think that's and Eric, great. what is yours? Do we need a drum roll? I don't no, have one. No, we do... don't need a drum roll. How about okay, trumpeting? Good. How about horns, large horns, because I got the rumpant. Um, I took it twice, Aww. so I know it's not rigged. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, here's, here's the description though. This made me feel great. First of all, the rumpant is, is is wonderful. It's a wonderful beast to get. Um, the description, though, made me feel even better. Passionate and friendly, you are a lover at heart. You are always seeking to make connections through your eagerness, uh, or sorry, though your eagerness to bond can sometimes push others away. I'm thinking of Jacob uh, running away <laughs> with the helmet on. Uh, but your big personality can be intimidating. Your generosity and inner glow means that you are never lonely for very long. Aww. That's beautiful. I have a big personality. Love me. I love you. So I I uh, I identify with uh, the rumpet. Mm. Okay. Nice. Which is impressive. So we'll have a link in the show notes if anybody wants to take that quiz. It's fun because we're going to probably be seeing more of these beasts in the future movies. So yeah. And maybe you need to figure out which one you should buy for yourself, like merchandise-wise. Ooh, I'm going to get the rumpet have... Funko. <laughs> They're still, they only have the Niffler for now. I'm really surprised. I think we spoke about this. Like, if this was Disney, they'd have a stuffed animal for every single creature already. <laughs> Pastries as well at the Wizarding World. Yeah. Um, right. You need, you oh, need yeah, a Kowalski that, bakery. That would sell big time. Oh, yeah. I'd buy one of those. One of Jacob's items. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loaves of bread in the form of a creature. I'm forgetting what form they took. Pastries? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so one more thing here. We got an email. This is from Allie. She said she was so excited for the show and it did not disappoint. I wanted to write in with my thoughts about Fantastic Beasts. I really wasn't looking forward to it. The story seemed so unnecessary and the casting of Johnny Depp really irked me. However, I thought the movie was pretty adorable for the most part. The cast in particular really sold it for me. I did have a major issue and that was the death of Credence. I was really stunned that this victim of abuse 
who asks for help but never actually gets any, was murdered by the government. It was really horrifying, but I think the main problem was the lack of reaction. No one seems to feel bad about it, and Credence's senseless death is never brought up after the fact. I have read that he may have lived, as shown by the bit of ash floating away, but still. J.K. Rowling tells stories about abuse with a lot of sensitivity and thoughtfulness, and I was really surprised by this one-note element. This really took me out of the movie, and I wish more would have been made of Credence being killed. What do you guys make of that? It's hard to say without uh, knowing what the story is for the future. I, th- I think that there, all the points that Ali raised are definitely valid, uh, especially mm-hmm. the part that you have somebody who has been such a strong victim of abuse throughout the course of the movie and, and even the story that probably precedes this, uh, just given his upbringing and the fact that he has uh, a mother who is completely anti everything that defines him. And I, I don't really have an answer. I mean, I, I feel like that's more of a question that JK Rowling would have to answer, but uh, I know we've talked about on prior episodes that, uh, you know, sometimes things they don't they don't work out the way that you're anticipating that that they should i mean i think that you know dis, despite the film having this this happy ending for newt and jacob uh and some of the others it didn't for credence and and i think that it's it's just a hard lesson for all of us to uh, to not necessarily to learn but uh this is also the midst of a wizarding war and there are casualties regardless of, or I should say this is the precursor to a wizarding war. And, you know, there, there are going to be casualties and and it's just unfortunate that everything that this person went through, he couldn't necessarily get the help that he so needed uh, before everything played itself out. Yeah, and I think this ties in really well to J.K. Rowling's philanthropic efforts uh, with the charity Lumos as well. Absolutely. You know, there are children out there that need help. And I, so I think that's that's actually why it is so dark and so devastating is because it's meant for us to reflect on, well, yeah, that, that Credence guy really, you know, he had a, he had a really tough break. Um, and, and they kill him. The government, no less than the government itself, kills this kid and prevents him from <laughs> breathing because – because he was sick. He essentially had an illness that, that, you know, maybe could have been cured. There was hope for it from Newt. Mm-hmm. But, you know, on the bright side, I, I will stress that it's, it's, it is, can I say, it is confirmed that Credence lived. Um, there was yeah. a, dele- there's a deleted scene where he gets on a boat. Uh, we spoke Newt. about this on Bonus MuggleCast. Um, yeah. right. They did shoot a scene of him going on a boat. I think one reason that, we that they didn't deal with it more is because he is going to be involved in the future now yeah you could argue that maybe jk rowling should have should have given us more because like we're supposed to believe that he was dead but i guess on the other hand maybe they just figured well let's not focus too much on his death because he really isn't dead so they don't want to do a fake out but i still i still um see your point ali that it it was very sad and there wasn't they they just stepped away from right. it the character is not in in the course of the film the character is never memorialized at the end of it like they could have done the scene with tina and newt standing in front of the destroyed church with a little plaque you know or like a commemoration like this was the scene where you know so and so lost their lives 
um, you know, and, and, and Credence farewell always in our hearts, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. but Ezra Miller is confirmed for the sequel, uh, which should settle any and all disputes. Right. Well, uh, I, that, uh, that the character, I think the back. point, yeah, but I think the point that Allie is trying to make runs a lot deeper than just whether or not the character is going to be in the next film. Uh, mm-hmm. right. And, and so, but he wasn't memorialized. Right. Like, and, yeah. and I think a lot of that just from a, from a film standpoint has to deal with the fact that you get a massive reveal of Graves being Grindelwald literally seconds after Credence is, is killed. And so, mm. and, and I actually felt like with respect to the movie, I didn't know when it was going to end. Like I, there, there kept being these, these moments that just continued and continued and continued. And that if I were to criticize the movie at all, I would, that would be the one thing that I would say. I felt like um, it did do a good job kind of tying up the loose ends. And I think that, this is definitely is definitely one of them. But Eric, to go back to your point earlier, I think, you know, when you were talking about the government, um, particularly as it relates to World War II and Nazi Germany, um, the fact that it did kill people um, very much along the lines of what we see happen to Credence. And I think that, you know, there's, there's definite parallels here. And, and I think that you have a situation where somebody is you know the unfortunate victim of being stereotyped and it results in in their death in this case and that's very much a a major theme that runs through um the history of of you know the second world war and and then that's the timeline that we're we're going to be approaching um and i think this is the groundwork for that so uh those are just i mean those are my thoughts and um but i think ali raises a lot of really good points yeah. But what about the next movie, Micah? <laughs> what about it? No. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of the uh, the direct uh, sequel to this movie, the second film, again, going over on J.K. Rowling's Twitter, but um, somebody begged her. It was uh, the end of November. Somebody was like, I can't go on without knowing more about Lita Lestrange. Um, she quoted the tweet and said, next film, I promise. So, And we should maybe do a main discussion speculating about what's going to be up with her because I, that's yeah. probably one of the things I'm most interested, excuse me, most interested in what, what's going to happen with her. Yeah. That's a good idea. Did Newt love her? Give me more. <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening. Um, we are going to be doing a bonus muggle cast right after we record this. We're going to be talking about Newt's brother. He might have a role in future fantastic beast movies because a new prop letter was discovered at a Fantastic Beast exhibit, and there's a letter from Thesis, T H E S E U S, Theseus, to Newt, which reveals that he was searching for Grindelwald and still might be. So, we're going to talk about the implications, what that means for and why this letter exists in the first place. J.K. Rowling must have written it for the movie. So, why does this exist? Was it going to be in the movie? What we're going to talk about it. It's going to be super interesting because. I mean, this is just when you thought you were done. You thought you speculated about everything. <laughs> Here's something else. <laughs> it's just like old times. <laughs> yeah. So people who pledge $5 a month on Patreon um, will have access to that. Um, by the way, we're 
we're our next goal will have us doing weekly episodes of MuggleCast, four episodes a month. So we would love your support to get us there. Um, you will also receive signed album art for pledging and other benefits like access to the show notes. You'll be able to stream the, the recordings as we're live recording them. And chapter um, Thank you to the patrons who tuned in today. And uh, participating in discussion topics and listening to our book readings. We do a lot on patreon.com slash MuggleCast. And thank you. Welcome again to new listeners. We really appreciate uh, you tuning in, no matter how long you've been listening. And we'll see everybody next time for episode 307, in which we'll recap the year and look at what's ahead in 2017. Mm, so much. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Bye, everyone. Bye. So long. <laughs>